A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweeps. I am Tim. Welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. And today, our topic is the Grimes Sisters. It's an unsolved murder mystery that occurred back in the 1950s when sisters Patricia and Barbara Grimes uh, disappeared from their Chicago home. So we're going to talk about um, that case, and um, we're talking about some of the theories that might uh, that might explain what happened to them. They've um, the murders have never been solved, so we'll get into that. But before we do, let me introduce our panel. Please introduce one of the finest ladies in podcasting today, the very lovely and attractive, the queen of mean, the mistress of the macabre, pill popping, penis loving Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? I'm good, Timmy. How are you? I am excellent. This is a great story. It's a, uh, well, it's a sad story, but it's a very interesting story, and I'm looking forward to it. I've been researching this thing all weekend, and I'm looking forward to us discussing it today. This was a tough one. I mean, all the, we, me and Brandy, we got together at the library to look over. Yeah, some I did. Of the we were at the library, yeah. uh, and I want it noted that there's no food. On this table, not a nary a drop. Nary a, a drop. Are there any mints? No popcorn. Yeah. No mints. <laughs> I left the mints in the office. I've got you. Got a you got a, uh, I did, a soda with no cap. I, I mean, that's great. But I, your, your, I phone sit, your phone's sitting on the table. Oh, yeah, shit, please don't. Yeah, it that. is. Okay, but uh, otherwise, thank you very much. You're you're very professional, both of you. That's a true statement. I really am. Okay, I want to give a uh, before I before I introduce the Colonel. Let me give a quick shout out to our sponsors because one thing that happened over the weekend, we got a lot of new sponsors uh, on Patreon. We really appreciate that. It helps us cover the cost of the podcast. So for all of you that contributed, thank you very much. So I'd like to shout give a shout out to those who are sponsoring us. Chip, Alicia, uh, Amber, Brandy McBride, Bridget, Jahara, Cindy Lou, Andrew Happ, Jennifer Siemens, and Angelo. We want to thank all of you very much for supporting us. If you would like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash historydweebs, and you can give a little or you can give a lot. Uh, we don't care. Every little bit helps. Think that right, Colonel? Just a wee bit. Just helps. a wee bit. Just a wee bit. Uh, I'd like to now introduce a man, uh, really, who needs no introductions. 
uh, a man who has the longest introduction in podcast history already. For shit's sake, no doubt. The very honorable and distinguished, the Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm busy, Timmy. I'm just busy. You're a busy man. Did you have a nice weekend? Well, I spent most of my weekend in my garage, Timmy. Why did you ask? Yeah, I, I'll let him ramble for a minute. Well, what no. did you do in the garage, Colonel? Well, Timmy, because we're completely uninterested. I've been thinking about this, mm-hmm. and one of our one of our presidential candidates had, a, had said that uh, you should grab women by the tingly parts, Timmy. Uh-huh. I don't think that's the word he used, but okay. yeah, I don't want to be so crass, Timmy. Okay, yes. So yeah, you're you're known for your um, my sensitivity. Manner. Yeah, yeah. So I got to thinking about that, mm-hmm. Timmy. And, you know, back in the 70s, before when women had the big Afro things down there, you could... I, I suppose the 70s Bush. Could, the 70s Bush. I suppose you could grab them by that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now women are trimming and they're doing the Brazilians and, and just going, you know, bad naked down there. And, and those, those are slippery things, Timmy. How do you how do you grab one? I got to thinking. How do you grab one? I don't know, dude. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I know we talk, we we joke around on the podcast and say, we say some pretty outrageous things, but who talks like that in private? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and and that's what I was thinking when they said it was locker room. I ain't never been in a locker room where you talked about that. <laughs> but, I've never heard anyone in the locker room say they want to grab, they can grab somebody by the pussy. But but apparently it's a thing, Timmy. Yeah, I guess. And I, in order to, in, in an event to cash in, I, I told you that I have legally term, coined the term, uh-huh. trademarked the term, grab them by the pussy. So yes. anybody that uses it, I can they charge pay them. You. If they um, got there creating memes with that on there, you got to pay the colonel. But I was in my garage all weekend building a hoo-ha handle, Timmy. <laughs> hoo-ha handle. So if you want to grab them by the hoo-ha, you got something to grab. Well... Yeah, Please stop it. talking now. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, I'm that will, need you. because you tell me, if someone were to, to grab you by the tinglys, okay, what would they grab a hold of? Exactly. Well, first of all. I mean, is it the labia large or la minor, Asia minor, Asia major, what? I, I'm not really sure. First of all. I would say the major cause, it sounds like it's bigger. That's what I would think. I will uh, fuck somebody up for just some random person. <laughs> you know, before we start this podcast, I had aspirations of moving home and running for mayor. I think that's shot to hell. No. Well, and and, no. I, and I did put on my Facebook page, you know, the, the thing that makes you, after watching last night debate, that makes me want to get into politics is I realize you can throw people in jail in the gulag. You can? I'm going to throw you in jail. As soon as I get elected, I'm going to throw your ass right down in Guantanamo. You mean Brandy? <laughs> the devil. No, no, because I don't want to go down to the... Because we got too many people to be, oh, we want Brandy back on the podcast, and we got blah, blah, blah. She should be in Gitmo, though. She should be in Gitmo. She committed crimes against humanity. Fucking hurtful. I'm sitting here minding my goddamn business, <laughs> letting you sons of bitches spew out all kinds of shit, and now all of a sudden I need to be in Gitmo. Well, I, all I'm, all I'm let me, asking... Let me ask you something. Can people visit me in Gitmo? They can't. Yeah, they have visitation. Damn it. Your, your lawyer can't visit. Damn it. Your kids can, though. They can't, but they have to wear hoods, <laughs> though. Your kids, Sweet D can come down and visit you. Yeah, but they, they, they water border. Sorry. Yeah, but, but no, I don't think they would. 
I don't think they'd waterboard Sweet D. I think Sweet D can take them. Well, she was desperate. But I'm going to need... What, I, what I'm going to need, Devil, is uh, I'm going to need a an assistant for the hoo-ha handle. Well, um, what I'm going to need is I, a vacation in Gitmo. And I'm hoping that you the would just... The lovely beaches of Gitmo. <laughs> Gitmo sound better and better. <laughs> yeah. The, what I want is a va- lovely vacation on the beaches of Gitmo. Yeah, that's probably... So you're saying you're not volunteering to be my... You know, stuff my, is... My personal Watson... Stuff is no, probably, Watson, come here. Like, I could grab the hoo-ha handle. Watson, could you come here? You'd do it once. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, so I'm lovely, Timmy. Thank you, Tom. Okay, let's talk about the Grime Sisters. I'm going to first give a shout-out to Jennifer Burdick, who got the answer to a trivia question that we put on the page. Uh, if you would like to join us uh, and interact with us, we have a Facebook group page called History Dweeves, the podcast. So join us and... Um, this is uh, a lot of people that you hear mentioned on podcasts. That's where we're at. So join us there. Jennifer uh, got a question I posted uh, correctly. Um, so good job, Jennifer. Jennifer's like genius level smart. Yeah, she's on Team Colonel too. Mm-hmm. All right, let's. Um, we'll get into shout outs later after the after we get through the story. But let's talk about the Grime Sisters, shall we? Because this is a pretty cool mystery. We shall. Okay. It's not cool. Two young girls are well, dead. I don't think their parents cool. think it's very cool. Yeah, it is not it's cool, cool, but it's interesting. How about that? And Timmy is our sensitivity guru. Yeah. yeah. This is so cool. Well, well, let me read, please, because the first, the very first sentence <laughs> this is says, where, "This is where it gets good when you read." The Grime Sisters. It was a heartbreaking event. See, it's heartbreaking. He's got, heartbreaking. I got it written in here. Heartbreaking. I'm already heartbroken. He's gonna, come on, give away the entire story. This is serious. It's a heartbreaking event that uh, became one of the, uh, Chicago's most uh, puzzling unsolved crimes. On December 28, 1956, just a few days after Christmas, Colonel. Christmas ain't a good time, Timmy. It just ain't a good time. Oh for my people. God. Uh, Barbara Grimes, who was 15, and her sister Patricia, 13, went to the movies a few blocks from their Chicago home, and they never returned. Uh, There was a uh, massive police investigation was conducted, and uh, I don't know how true this is, but I've seen in the research I've done, they said up to 300,000 people had been uh, interviewed. Yeah, I think that's hyperbole because that's a lot of the that's a lot of people. But apparently, thousands of people was interviewed uh, in this investigation. Um, the weird thing is, these two girls disappeared, uh, and there were many uh, sightings of them, like Elvis, yeah. <laughs> Bigfoot. Well, we'll get in. Uh, yeah, Elvis has a connection in this story because the movie they went to see was an Elvis Presley movie. They both were big Elvis Presley fans. I if Elvis did it. No, but oh. Elvis did actually. Um, I'm not saying Elvis did it. Elvis, well, what Elvis, Elvis did, did actually. Well, Bigfoot did it. Elvis, because at one point I'm they just thought, saying they were there. At one point they thought the the girls ran away, so Elvis did uh, release a statement asking the girls if they ran away to to come home. So um, it's a big story, but there were sightings of the girls as far as way as far as way as Memphis, Tennessee. Well, where Elvis lived. Where Elvis lived. See? In the jungle. Uh, it's all just too coinkities for me. down the jungle. There were reported, this is, I mean, there's some weird stuff here. There were reported phone calls to uh, at least one of their friends um, from the girls um, after they disappeared. 
there was an attempt by an alleged kidnapper, kidnapper to collect ransom on the girls, but all the leads led nowhere. The two uh, sisters were missing uh, for the next 25 days before their naked and frozen bodies were found along the banks of Devil's Creek in the southwest part of Cook County. Aptly name. Yeah, Devil's I've, Creek. Actually, I've been to Devil's Creek. Okay, I mean, so you know that. Chicago, went out to Skokie, so it's yeah. right up by there. I'm, I'm glad I was sitting down for that revelation. The coroner's, and remember, this is a still a open case. It's an open case, so we gotta we got to be careful how we talk about it. We don't want to disrupt you. Well, and there's only, you know, there's some limited information well, available. There's a coroner's report available, but the autopsy is not. Well, this some bitch in scripts, 14 pages. I don't know how limited the information was. The coroner's report stated only that uh, the girls were murdered and that they had died of exposure. Because remember, this is Chicago. It's December, late December. It's colder than a witch's tit. Yeah, early January. So but Mother Nature killed them? Well, it's... It's it's a it's weird. So although the police Please interviewed uh, thousands of witnesses, uh, no one has ever been uh, arrested for these murders or uh, convicted of these murders, and the case remains open and unsolved. So let me tell you a little bit about the Grimes sisters. Um, by all accounts, Barbara and Patricia Grimes were just normal teenage girls growing up in the 1950s. They had an older brother and sister, uh, older brother and sister, and one younger brother. Their parents, Loretta and Joseph Grimes, were divorced. Uh, Joseph Grimes was remarried and had another family of his own. Uh, they got divorced when the girls were young, so they were they were divorced like a eleven years prior to the girls' disappearance. Uh, so it was uh, Loretta was a single mom raising five kids. Uh, and but you know by all accounts they had very you know she was very supportive and a very good mother and the father played a role in their lives and uh, was supportive as well um, so um, uh, they seemed to have a happy normal life they were popular in school they had a lot of friends they got good grades in school um, they both loved the movies and music and they especially loved Elvis Presley. This is, you know, the 1950s, and Elvis was very popular. Uh, by all reports, they had a uh, loving relationship with their mother, Loretta. There were no indications of, you know, abuse or neglect by the parents. Um, and as I said, they even had a positive relationship with their father, even though he was not in the home and he was remarried. Uh, so these girls were not your, you know, they were not rebellious teenagers. Um, they were still teenagers. They were teenage yeah. girls, but they were, <clears throat> but they could always be counted on doing what was expected of them. They they respected curfews. They did chores around the house. They got good grades in school. They babysitted their younger sibling, their younger brother. Um, so they did, you know, they they basically were good girls. In short, there was no indication that Barbara and Patricia would ever run away from home, which makes what happens next very strange. So what happens next, Brandy? Well, it was December 28, 1956. Uh, Patricia Grimes was 13, and her uh, sister, Barbara, she was 15. They left their home at 
3624 South Damon Avenue and headed for the Brighton Theater that's about a mile away. Have you been there, Chuck? The Brighton Theater, yeah, I've been there. No, to their house. Thirty. What was the address? Well, I thirty six twenty four South Damon Avenue. No, but I've been on South Damon Avenue. No, now my boys, you know, they go to college in Chicago. I've been to every part of Chicago driving around. All right. Is this Northside or where is this? All right. Yeah, you're you're talking about Damon Avenue. You're up in the northwest quadrant up there. Okay. Great. Uh, it is believed the girls had. Uh, 250 between them. It was enough to pay for the movie with a little change left over. They weren't going to buy popcorn. That's for damn sure. Well, uh, not now. God, I went to, you know, because I go to movies every week. Popcorn, Sour Patch Kids, and a, a small popcorn, Sour Patch Kids, and a Coke, 22 dollars The fuck you doing buying Sour well, Patch yeah, Kids? What are you in all, the third grade or something? Well, and if you're going to bring Sour, sour yeah, kids. but you need to pick them up at yeah, the I know, I know. That's I what know. Renee goes to the Family Dollar. She she carries a damn backpack in with her when she goes to the theater. It's 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 embarrassing. <laughs> well, it's, you almost have to take out a fucking personal loan to go to the movie. <laughs> yeah, it cost me, I took me and Noah and Jake, and it cost me about 60 bucks to go to a matinee. That's crazy. With popcorn. That's crazy. Okay, so these girls didn't have much money on them. The they did not have much money on now, them. Now, of course, back then, you know, movies were not I know. that expensive. But two fifty is well, still... Did I mention that the movie theater by my house has self-served butter? Oh. Yeah, so this, this is all I'm saying. The yeah. movie theater by my house has reclining seats. We have that, too. Yeah. I have not seen the self-served butter, but... Uh, Newport has uh, It makes me very happy. Butter. Self-served butter. Well, for as much as they charge, they should. Yeah, I made a mistake going to see something, and it, I saw it in the IMAX. Uh, Not really, because I didn't want to wait around. Oh, my God, that's like another $15. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, back to okay, the Okay, so both of the girls were avid fans of Elvis Presley and had gone to see his film, Love Me Tender, for the 11th time. Jesus, God. Love Me God. Tender, now that's a classic. Girl. It is. It love me tender. No. Love Why'd you do that? That's ridiculous. I'm just saying. It's no, a classic. It's a again. classic movie. For okay. my devil, I love you. Shut up, Wilford. And I the teenage always girls. will. So ridiculous. Hold on. Let me. Let me no. No. Ew. He's doing the album. No. <laughs> He's shaking his hips. Yuck. Just, you gotta imagine me doing the doing you know, the Elvis twist. So out. now going on this no food diet is going to be great for me. <laughs> yeah. Now I don't want to eat. Uh, let's see. Um, the teenage girls made it to the theater because uh, the guy at the popcorn line recognized them at nine thirty. Yeah. There's. Well, they'd been there eleven times. Let I me. Let me. Yeah, they were all known. <laughs> let me just say that research differs on this. Because when they do the autopsy of these girls... The You've coroner, got to quit saying that word. Coroner. <laughs> when they do the coroner report. When yeah. they do the coroner They don't do the autopsy on these girls. They, that wasn't released. But when they do, uh, there's what, some reports that say they find popcorn, and some say they don't. Oh. Did they find Sour Ooh. Patch Kids? <laughs> no. But if they do an autopsy on me, they find Sour Patch Kids. Well, I, I imagine... Probably for like at least the next six weeks. <laughs> yeah, those things those stick to your colon. <laughs> they do. Your colon does not want to release the gun. You know, I, I won't get too far off this. That's but great. Renee bought me some vitamins. 
The Mr. Colonel bought me some vitamins. Were they Flint for Flintstone vitamins? First of all, I have to take Flintstone vitamins, and they are not as good as they were when you were a kid. They're not. No. When the fuck did you start having to make gummies to get people to take vitamins? To get grown men? She bought me gummy vitamins. Well, because you're a child. <laughs> and... Were you not taking your one a day for men? Were you not taking your one These a day? These are all one a day. Senior, They're 50 one a plus. day gummies. Are they 50 plus? Centrum gray. Yeah. Centrum yeah. silver. Uh, uh, <laughs> that has a little dash of Cialis in it. Yeah. Centrum silver. That's for you. All right. So then, uh, so he saw him in the line getting popcorn at 9.30. Then they were seen on an eastbound Archer Avenue bus at 11 o'clock at night, which, by the way, is too late. For a thirteen-year-old, well, remember to be out about nineteen fifty-six. So it's it was a different time, but the the point was they were they were seen at the theater. They were seen on on the the bus bus on the way home. After that, things are less certain. Mm -hmm. But this might have been the last time they were ever seen alive. Uh, The girl's mother, Loretta, expected the girls to come home by eleven forty-five, but was already growing uneasy when they had not arrived fifteen minutes prior to that. At midnight, she sent her... See? At midnight... Let's send out more kids. She sends out her daughter, Teresa, and her son, who's 17, and her son, Joey, 14, to the bus stop at 35th and Hoyne to watch for them. Yeah. She's just getting kids out of the house. Who wants to go next? Just get on out. That's kind of like throwing good kids after bad. (laughs) It really is. Um... After, terrible. That. Why do you say things? I know it's terrible. Sensitivity it's a bad, guy. It's a bad job. All right. So um, after after three buses had stopped and failed to discharge their sisters, Teresa and Joey returned home without them. Uh, they never saw the girls again, but strangely, others claimed to. The last reported sighting of the two girls came from classmates who spotted them at Angelo's restaurant on South Archer Avenue. Um, more than 24 hours after their reported disappearance. Yeah, see, this is weird. These are all, I mean, because you're going to go through a list of them. A lot of sightings of these girls. Um, but that, you know, the accuracy of any of these is unknown. A railroad conductor also reported them on a train near the Great Lakes Naval Training Center in north suburban Glenview. A security guard on the northwest side offered directions to two little girls he believed were the Grimes sisters, on the morning of the 29th, hours after they disappeared. On January 1st, both girls were allegedly identified as passengers aboard a CTA bus on Damon Avenue. During the week that followed... I have been on a CTA bus. Perfect. They were reported in Inglewood. Inglewood's always up to no good. Uh, Inglewood, let's see, George Pope reported him there. He was a night clerk at the Unity Hotel on West 61st Street. Uh, who refused them a room, Dick, because of their ages. Well, now, I mean, a 15-year-old comes into a hotel, you don't want well, them a room. Asleep, well, you're not going to give them a room. They got money. They got, um, they got change. Not, yeah, but they're not going to uh, they, He might have thought it was up to some, something a foul. Nefarious. Nefarious, yeah. Well, something nefarious was going on, clearly. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't believe all of them. I don't believe in any of these sightings myself. But Three employees at Kresge's department store believe they saw the girls listening to an Elvis Presley song at the record counter on January 3rd. Uh, the police, as they always do, theorized that the girls had run I away. I bet they were listening to Blue Christmas. Colonel. No! He's out of give me the woo-woo. It'll be your blue. 
Christmas Ooh. without you. Why don't you do it like Porky Pig? Christmas without you. Wow. Go ahead, please. That's scary accurate. Go ahead, devil. Timmy sounds like Porky Pig. You dead dog. You said baby, baby, blue. This thing, baby, 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 about you. That is a pretty good Porky Pig. How did you not catch that before? All right. Good God. Uh, the police theorized, of course, that the girls had run away, but their mother refused to believe it. Adding credence to the theory that both sisters had run away to Nashville, a woman reported having reported having met them at the bus station there and accompanied them to a state employment agency to, st- to search for work. Because, yeah, that's what... A 15- and 13-year-old should be doing. Yeah, well, that's what they and, do. and clearly, that shouldn't raise any eyebrows at all. You find no. these girls at the bus station, well, come on, let's go find you a job. Yeah, let's find them a job. Give them, teach a man to fish, be yeah. alive. Right, Colonel? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a clerk at the same agency identified the sisters from photographs and recalled using the Grimes' name. On January 14, 1957, more than two weeks after the girls' disappearance, um, the parents of Patricia Grimes' classmate, Sarah Tolstan, received two phone calls around midnight. During the first call, there was nobody at the other end ever spoke. Um, picking up the second phone call 15 minutes later, Sandra's mother, Ann, heard a frightened and depressed voice asking, Is that you, Sandra? Is Sandra there? Before Ann could bring her daughter to the phone, the caller had hung up. Yeah, that's weird. Well, and it may not have had anything to do with it. Right. That's And that's the case with a lot of these sightings. Could have been a potty line. Ann stated she was convinced that the caller's voice belonged to Patricia Grimes. Despite these numerous sightings, the girl's mother, Loretta, was insistent the girls were not runaways and not missing voluntarily, but the authorities were still not convinced. Regardless, it became the greatest missing persons hunt in Chicago police history. Even Elvis, in a statement, well, what better way to throw... You know what song I of you. Suspicious Minds was a good song. I love Suspicious Minds. Don't ruin Caught it. in a trap. Can't walk out because we love you. Because I love you too much. <laughs> I'm doing my shimmy. Baby. Shimmy. Well, it's Hey, devil. I got a question for you. I got a question for you, devil. Why can't you see what you're doing to me? It's a fair when question. You don't believe <laughs> what I'm saying. Anyway, El- so Elvis goes... He's up. tired of you. You're Elvis. a circus monkey. <laughs> You're a fucking out. circus monkey. He points to you, and you just do what the fuck ever. I'm a good employee. You're the, uh, so the point is, Elvis releases a statement, releases yes. a statement, and goes on Which radio. Which suspicion off of him well, since no. he kidnapped him. He, he, he releases a statement saying, hey, if you're... Tr- I know, I'm going to get to it. True Elvis fan. I'm going to get to it. Go home to why are you giving? Why are you giving this away? Because you're fooling with the colonel. No, I'm not. You are. You the one who pointed at it. You're listening to the colonel sing songs like uh, uh, "Fools Rush In." No. <laughs> you know what? I'm about ready to perform an autopsy on the two of you. You fucking quit. So even Elvis, in a statement issued from Graceland, asked the girls to come home and ease their mother's worries. That was very loud. (laughs) You're going to burn in hell. (laughs) That was loud. You're going to burn in hell. All right. That plea went unanswered. More strangeness would be reported before the bodies of the girls were found. There was a series of ransom letters that were later discovered to have come from a mental patient. (laughs) 
<laughs> that took Miss Grimes to Milwaukee on January 12, 1957. Which is what, about an hour away, Colonel? She. Oh, it's about now. Yeah. Loretta was escorted by FBI agents to Milwaukee and instructed to sit in a downtown Catholic church with $1,000 on the bench beside her. <laughs> I mean, I recognize it's 1956, but come on, $1,000. I mean, bucks. yeah, but your kids are missing. You're going to no, 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 I get that. But what kind of dumbass kidnapper just. Twenty dollars in a carton of smokes. <laughs> yeah. I'll give your kids back. Um, the letter. You promised, know what I would have said to that crazy man? Don't be cruel. Okay. The letter promised <laughs> that Barbara Grimes would kids. walk in to retrieve the money and then leave to deliver it to the kidnapper. The letter stated that she and her sister would then be released. Mrs. Grimes went to Milwaukee as instructed and was left sitting there for hours to contemplate her daughter's fate. No one showed. Shocking. On January 15th, the police switchboard operator received a call from a man who refused to identify himself, but who insisted the girls' bodies would be in a park at 81st and Wolf Street. Yeah, this is a psychic. So, hold on. Of course that, it is. The psychic calls up, says they're going to be that. You know what that, You know what I say to you? They ain't nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> Lying all the time. <laughs> he ain't nothing but Because he said he was a psychic. Well, that was just a lie. He said he knew the truth. Well, that was just like. <laughs> he's clean. Well, Excuse he ain't never there, found no girls, and he ain't no friend of mine. Excuse me there, King. If you're a psychic, <laughs> here's the thing. If you're a really good psychic and you get visions, if, if it was me, I would not be telling the police where these bodies were because guess who's going to be number one <laughs> yeah. on the suspects list? So but if you was a really good psychic, wouldn't you have known before they got killed? Quit pulling his chain. <laughs> You want to get through this? Quit pulling his fucking chain. Quit throwing peanuts at him. Quit turning the crank. Whatever it is you're fucking doing to him. He lets me be. He lets my inner artiste out. People like the the colonel. People like the colonel. Because last week he was Cartman getting ready to pack up his backpack and go the fuck off. So I'm just saying. People like the colonel. They do like the colonel. I'm a likable guy. You dipshit. All right. So she's still saying, okay, so this guy calls. He says the bodies will be found at 81st and Wolf. He claimed that this revelation had come to him in a dream, as Timmy already let out that he was a psychic, and he hung up. The call was traced to Green's Liquor Market, where all psychics hang out, on South Halstead, and the caller was discovered to be Walter Kranz, a 53-year-old steam fitter. Oh, this fucking steam fields. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. According to a Chicago Sun-Times article... He was taken into custody after the, body, after the bodies were found uh, January 22nd, less than a mile from the park that Krantz said he dreamed of. He became one of numerous people who were questioned by the police and then released. That's what I'm saying. If, you, if you're a good psychic, you're, you're going to get on the radar if you tell these people where the bodies are, and then they show up a mile from where you're... Uh, oh, then where, all of a sudden the police show up. Miss Cleo never had that problem. And then you know what? What? Y'all shook up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have to stop this because I have to leave. <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> well, when this when this all happens, you're going to be pissy, and I'm going to remind you. Please. Continue. Finally, the vigil for the Grimes sisters ended on January 22nd, 1957, when a construction worker named Leonard Prescott was driving south on German Church Road near Willow Springs. He spotted what appeared to be two discarded clothing store mannequins lying next to a guardrail a short distance from the road. Now, this guy does a smart thing. A few yeah. feet away, the ground dropped off to Devil's Creek below. Unsure of what he's seen, Prescott nervously brought his wife to the spot 
and then they drove to the local police station. So he didn't investigate it himself. That first. is correct. He went to get his wife. His wife, Marie Prescott, was so upset by the sight of the bodies that she had to be carried back to her car because she got the vapors. She got the vapors? Well, the Prescotts the, the, called the police. But in some of the research that I read, they say you could. It, it was hard to see. It was really hard to see from the road. So there were some questions on this Prescott guy if he was just really just driving by, like he said, because you couldn't hardly you couldn't see the bodies from the road, and that's what he testified. So, um, once investigators realized the mannequins were actually bodies, they soon discovered they were the Grimes sisters. Barbara Grimes laid on her left wait minute, side. Wait a minute. The, the colonel has a no, question. No, he doesn't. Has a question for uh, Barbara Grimes was laying just on her left side with her legs one. slightly drawn up to Devil? her body. Her head was Devil? covered by the body of her sister, who had been thrown onto her back tonight. with her head turned <laughs> What the hell is wrong with you, woman? That was a full-out frontal assault, Timmy. I, I think that it's assault. I was I went to law school, and I'm pretty sure that was assault. You know what? So next time I'll just grab him by the pussy. How's that? <laughs> well, not till you got my hoo-ha handle. <laughs> no. Your, your hoo-ha handle is on there. You're equipped with a hoo-ha handle. All right, so she, so the t- Baby, her head what do you want me to do? was covered <laughs> by the body of her sister, who'd been thrown on her back with her head turned sharply to the right. It looked like it. It looked as if they'd been discarded there by someone that was so cold and heartless that he saw the girls as nothing more than refuse to be tossed away on a lonely roadside. The officials in charge, Cook County Sheriff Joseph, they were completely D. naked, right? Joseph D. Loman, they were completely naked except and one Harry of them. Gloss, an agri- an aggressive investigator. For coroner Walter E. McCarran, I'm talking about these babies dying. Shut the fuck up for about 30 seconds. Shut it. I'm going to bop you on the nose. I'm just sitting here, devil. I'm sitting here, devil. I just wondered if one of them could have had on some blue suede shoes. Mm -hmm. No, you're a horrible person. Somebody stepped on their blue suede shoes. No, they're dead. Oh, okay. Like your mother. So oh, then, that was crossing so, a line. So an aggressive investigator for coroner Walter her. E. McCarran surmised that the bodies had been laying there for several days, perhaps as far back as January 9th. This had been the date of the last heavy snowfall, and the frigid temperatures that followed the storm had preserved the body to a state that resembled how they look at the moment of death. As the newspapers broke the story on the morning of January 23rd, both the press and the investigators on the case began to draw connections between the murders of the Grimes sisters and the killings of three young boys who had been found under similar circumstances over three years earlier in October of 1955. One of the most terrifying and shocking events in the history of Chicago took place that month when the bodies of three boys were discovered in a virtually crime-free community on the northwest side of the city. The citizens of Chicago, fearing there was a connection, were stunned by the horror of violence against their children. Yeah, they thought it was a child killer on the loose. Well, now they had one. to. Now, now, if I read when getting into my part, they well, don't, we're not these, your part these yet. poor girls were frozen solid. Yes, when they found them, and you know what they had to do? They had to Chisel take them, them out. No, they had to go down to the corner and get a hunk, a hunk of burning love. Ah, just a hunk, a hunk of burning to thaw them out. He's dancing in his chair. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, so it's sad that you're such a puppet for him. <laughs> uh, let's see. The terrifying events began on a cool Sunday afternoon in the fall of 1955 when three boys from the northwest side of Chicago headed down to catch a matinee performance of a movie at the Loop Theater. The boys, the boys made the trip with their parents' consent because in those days parents thought little of their responsible children going off on excursions by themselves. 
The boys had always proven dependable in the past, and this time would be no exception if tragedy had not occurred. With $4 between them, John and Anton Schussler and Bobby Peterson ventured into Chicago into the Chicago Loop to see a movie that Bobby's mother had chosen for them. Around 6 o'clock that night, long after the matinee had ended, the boys were reported in the lobby of the Garland Building at the Garland Building at 111 North Wabash. There was no explanation for what they might have been doing there other than Peterson's eye doctor was located in the building. It seemed unlikely. Well, maybe in his eye. Well, it seemed mm-hmm. unlikely that he'd be going to visit the optometrist on a Sunday afternoon. Around 7.45, the three entered the Monte Crispo, Crisco bowling alley on West Montrose. The parlor was a neighborhood eating place, and the proprietor later recalled to the police that he had that he had recalled the boys and that a 50-ish looking man was showing an abnormal interest in several of the younger boys who were bowling. But he didn't do anything about it. That's sweet. He didn't. He was unable to save the man made the contact with the The boys didn't say, trio. and then he touched me. They left the bowling alley and walked down to Montrose to another bowling alley, then thumbed a ride at the intersection of Lawrence and Milwaukee Avenue. They were out of money by this time, but not quite ready to go home. It's now 9.05 in the evening, and their parents were beginning to get worried, and they had reason to be because the boys were never seen alive again. They didn't Two days later, the boys' naked and bound body hotel. were discovered in a shallow ditch about 100 feet east of Plaines Rivers. Desplain. A salesman, Desplaines. Des 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 Since my baby left me, <laughs> I have found a new place to dwell. <laughs> a, salesman, a, a salesman who had stopped to eat his well, lunch at the Robinson's Wood Indian so lonely, Robinson Woods Indian Burial so Ground lonely, nearby, baby. spotted them and I called the police. So Coroner Walter McCarran stated that the cause of death was asphyxiation by suffocation. The three boys had been dead 36 hours when they were discovered. Bobby Peterson had been struck repeatedly and been strangled with a rope or necktie. The killer had used adhesive tape to cover the eyes of all three victims. They had been thrown from a vehicle and their clothing was never discovered. The city of Chicago was thrown into a panic. Police officers reported that they had never seen such a horrible crime. The fears of parents all over the city were summed up by, a grief, by the grief-stricken Anton Schussler Sr., who said... When you get to the point that children cannot go to the movies in the afternoon and get home safely, something's wrong with this country. Police officers comb the area, conducting door-to-door searches and neighborhood interrogations. Since teams, search teams combed Robinson's woods looking for clues or items of clothing. The killer or killers had gone to great lengths to get rid of any signs of fingerprints or trace, uh, trace evidence. By this time, various city and suburban police departments had descended on the scene, running into each other and further hampering the search clues. Uh, There were little or no cooperation between the separate agencies, and if anything had been discovered, it would likely have been lost in the confusion. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. 
Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Investigators were coming up empty. An honor guard of Boy Scouts carried the coffin of the three boys from the St. Tarsesus Roman Church, Roman Catholic Church, to a hearse that would take them to St. Joseph's Cemetery. The church was filled to capacity with an estimated 1,200 mourners. Now, with the death of the Grimes sisters two years later, there was a great concern among the public that the child killer was on the loose. The horror felt by parents in Chicago was only compounded by the discovery of the Grimes sisters' bodies. Like the Schussler's and Bobby Peterson, the girls had been found naked and dumped in a secluded wooded area. Also like the murders... Uh, the boys' bodies had been had looked like they were mannequins by those who had discovered them. Yeah, so I mean, now they think a child killer is on the loose because you got what five five dead children in uh, in a couple years. Walter fucking Cronkite over here. You people are like goddamn Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brandy. You were you were in through that very well. So I did. Let's say where we're at. Despite there's a concern now my, that there's a child a yes. child killer on the loose because we have three young boys killed in 1956 and here in 19 or a 19 a few years before then and now we have uh, the two grinders. The two girls. The two uh-huh. girls. The frozen solid. I mean that was. Chicago gets cold. Yeah. It was so But this was confusing to me. Okay. They were murdered or they died of exposure. Well here's the thing. The I guess if you dumped them out unconscious corner, into the cold. They were murdered. We don't know well, yeah. The the coroner report said they were murdered, but they died of died of exposure exposure. Apparently there one of them had three uh, like a in her chest had like a three puncher hole, or like three puncher holes. Yeah, that's right here on my. Okay, go ahead. See, see what he does there. All right, sing something, Brandy. Although the Chicago no. Police Department did not think the crimes were connected, they were determined to explore all angles. The investigation into the Grimes murders became even more confusing in the days to come. Bodies were removed from the scene and taken to the Cook County Morgue, where they would be stored until they thawed out. And an autopsy became possible. That's where they needed. Uncle, Uncle, Bernie, love. Ah! Continue, Chris. So, anyway. Yeah, he's tired of your shenanigans now. (laughs) He got the shit started, and now he don't want anything to do with it. Before they were removed, though, both police investigators and reporters commented on the condition of the corpses, noting bruises and marks that had not been adequately explained to this day. According to the newspaper article, there were three ugly wounds in Patricia's abdomen and the left side of her face had been battered, resulting in a possible broken nose. Now, Barbara's face and head had also been bruised, and there were punctures from an ice pick in the chest. Once bodies were moved, investigators stayed on the scene to search for clothing and clues, but none were ever found. Let me say about that ice pick. They think it was an ice pick, but the, the, the wounds were shallow. They were not wounds. The, 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 the punctured uh, marks... They were not deep enough to have killed the killer. So they really, they don't know how they died. They say exposure because it was just so cold and their body was, you know, the bodies were just frozen when they found them. But the puncher marks, you, you know, like, um, I don't know, 
like a pitchfork has. I do know a pitchfork, yeah. yes. So of course she knows what a pitchfork well, is. Yeah. It, it was that type of wound, <laughs> but there was no, but it it wasn't the fatal wound. So, so they really it, don't it know. It really just didn't get down into the it, bone. It just it, broke the yeah, skin. Yeah, broke the skin. Exactly. Okay. Well, because the breastbone's there. Well, once the autopsies were performed the following day, all hopes that the examinations will provide new evidence were quickly dashed. Despite the efforts of the three experienced pathologists, they could not reach agreement on a time or cause of death. And they probably had, one of them was probably a woman. She was being difficult, and the other two could agree on something. But No, they really disagreed. Clearly, that's what happened. They disagreed on the timing because the official report is that they died shortly after they were abducted. So they, and then the bodies were dumped there. So none, okay, so none of the sightings would have been... Right, but other people believe that that's not the case, that they had been kidnapped, they had been murdered, and at some point in those, you know, 25 days or whatever, they were dumped there, so... Well, they stated that the girls had died from shock and exposure and were only able to reach this conclusion by eliminating all other causes. They couldn't find anything that would have killed them now. Of course, they were beat up pretty bad, but none of those wounds were, would have been fatal. And by concluding that the girls had died on December 28th, the night they disappeared, they created more puzzles than they had managed to solve. If they died on the night they'd gone missing, then how come there were so many sightings? And if the bodies had been exposed to the elements since that time, why hadn't anyone seen them? Now, Barbara and Patricia were buried on January 28th, 1957, one month after they disappeared. Although their mystery was no closer to being solved than it had been in December. Now, the residents of Chicago, and these are some hard-ass people up there, they were stunned, and the case of the murdered girls became an obsession. And I believe, wasn't Leopold and Lope, wasn't that up in Chicago? Today? It was earlier yeah, okay. there. It was in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. The local community organized searches for clues and passed out flyers looking for information. Money was raised to assist the destitute Grimes family, and eventually funds paid off their Damon Avenue home. Damon Avenue home. The Chicago Tribune invited readers to send in theories about the case and pay $50 for any that they had published. Here's the creepy part. Now, shortly after the bodies were Here's discovered... The creepy part. Wait, yeah, listen. Shortly after the bodies were discovered, Loretta Grimes received a phone call from a stranger claiming that he had killed her daughters, went into great detail how he did it. He mentioned that Patricia had cross-toed, which was information not released by the police. Cross-toed? Yeah, cross-toed. she and you know, her toes were like crossed each other, and no one knew that. Uh, ex- uh, not even the police knew that. Uh, well, I guess it, whoever did the autopsy knew it. But well, so much for that bringing you good luck. But this guy, she, she's hoping. <laughs> this guy, the person who called her, and this reminds me of uh, Albert Fish. Remember Albert Fish yeah. wrote a letter yeah. to his, the parents of the kids that he killed. Describing how he killed them. This is she, she would receive a similar phone call one year later when a local teenager girl went missing. The clergy and parishioners from St. Maurice were offered a $1,000 reward and sent out letters to the area residents hoping that someone might have seen the girls before they vanished. Even photographs were taken of friends of the girls that duplicated the clothing they wore on December 28th in hopes that they may jog the memory of someone who saw them. On the night they saw... Love me tender. Yes, the movie for the Love last me time. Yes, Patricia wore blue jeans, a yellow sweater, a black black jacket, and white sleeve white sleeve stripes. 
What the fuck is that? Like a high looks. It sounds to me like a high school jacket, Letterman's jacket. Yeah. Um, a white scarf over her head and black shoes. Her sister reportedly wore a gray tweed skirt, yellow blouse, a three-quarter length coat, gray scarf with bobby socks, and black ballerina shoes. I think she should bring back those bobby socks. They were cute. Did they, didn't they have poodle skirts? Like, do you ever wear poodle skirts? I like the poodle skirts. Did you ever wear a poodle skirt, skirt Brandy? How fucking old do you think I am? <laughs> Just asking if you do. you wear petticoats now? Let me tell you something. When I got married, I had to wear one of those big, like, Oh, yeah, the big puffy things? Yeah. yeah. It's a pain in the ass and hot. Ugh. Did you consummate your your, your marriage? No, I still haven't done that. It's crazy. Yes, I'm going to try to get to that next week sometime. <laughs> okay. Crazy. Now, the clothing, though, like the girls' killers, was never found. The killer may have eluded the authorities because no one was trying to find him. Investigators questioned an unbelievable... Uh, but, I'm sorry... The killer may have eluded the authorities, but it was not because no one yeah, was trying I mean, to find Yeah, I mean, they, like I said, they, they claim they that, cl- that it's over 100,000 people that they interviewed. Yeah. So, I, I, and I've seen 300,000, which I find hard to believe. I mean, that's, you know. That's all the people at Woodstock. Well, that's a lot of people to be interviewing, but they interviewed a lot of people. Let's just say that. Now, a number of suspects were seriously considered amongst, and amongst the first was the dreamer, Walter Kranz. Yes, yeah, this is a psychic guy. Who called the police with the mysterious tip on January 15th. He was held at the Inglewood Police Station for some time and repeatedly interrogated, beaten with a rubber hose, waterboarded, no, and given electric true. shock treatment to his genitalia. That's not true. But he did not confess to his involvement in the crimes. Mm-hmm. No solid evidence was ever found against it. It doesn't say that in the script, but the Chicago police back then, you know what they was doing. Yeah, well, they, uh, this other guy, you know, you'll get to in a minute, they, they rough him up. Now... Seventeen-year-old Max Flegg, um, they 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 named him, but current law did not allow juveniles to be tested with a polygraph. Police Captain Ralph Patik persuaded the boy to take the test anyway, and in the midst of it, he confessed to kidnapping the girls. Petite. But was the test illegal and inadmissible? The police were movie? forced to let Fleeg free. It's really rude when you interrupt him when he's talking. Was yeah, Petite, means, Petite means little booby. Was he the killer? No one will ever know. No one will know. Regardless, Fleeg was sent to prison a few years later for the brutal murder of a young woman. Now, in the midst of all this, the police still had to deal with nuts and cranks and people of your ilk, devil. Mm. More so-called psychic visions and a number of false confessions making their work even harder. One confession that they investigated came from a transient who was believed to have been involved in some other murders around the same time period. His confession later unraveled and he admitted that he had lied. You cannot... He was a hobo, a transient. Mm-hmm. He, he was a candy hobo. dancer? Well, no. Candy dancers are not hobos. Candy dancers are railroad workers who dance. But they're all hobosexuals. They're all hobosexuals, so, well, yes. So you have taught me, yes. They, yes, I'm basically a hobosexual. Yeah, you 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 believe that you provide sex to your wife in order to have a roof over your head. That's true. Right. That's true. Yeah, you are. It's also called Con- being a whore. <laughs> Continue, Colonel. And this, uh, I'm a gigolo. Story. I'm just a gigolo. You're a whore. And everywhere I go, eager to crack the floundering case, Cook County Sheriff Joseph Loman then arrested a Tennessee drifter named Edward Benny Bedwell. 
The drifter who sported Elvis-style sideburns, a ducktail haircut, had repeatedly been seen with crime sisters in a restaurant where he'd sometimes wash dishes in exchange for food. I've done that myself. You know, that duck hair... Uh, that ducktail haircut is a panty dropper. Well, I got a ducktail sure. right now, a little bit. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a rat tail. When, <laughs> when he was initially questioned, there's a difference. Bedwell admitted that he had been at the uh, S and M restaurant, uh, the Madison S&M restaurant. <laughs> yeah, the S and M restaurant. I love that place. No, it was actually the DNL on West Madison with the two you, girls you and get an a unnamed cheese friend. Can, uh, cheese sandwich and spank. For, for <laughs> yeah. What, what do I give well, for? Go for the blue pay, plate special. <laughs> I get yeah. the, I'm gonna need no. I'm gonna need my the ball gag after my food. Yeah, ball um, gag uh, because it uh, it's difficult to well you have to get soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and push it real quick. Yeah, yeah, you can't get vegetable soup either. Just broth. it's hard to get past the ball gag. It is. <laughs> yep, you, you haven't been ball gag. I'm though. gonna take your all's word for it. We're gonna we're gonna bring a ball gag for the next podcast <laughs> for the for this guy right here. This guy. For this, this guy. guy. <laughs> now according to you know that's what I feel gag. like. Be the best ball gag you've ever seen. <laughs> we'll we'll have more somebody ball else gags. pay for it. Yeah. We'll have more ball gags. Yeah, we'll have more ball gags. We're gonna make you pay for it. That's <laughs> right. Did uh so anyway Big beautiful ball gag. Oh. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful ball gags. We're going to have the best, smartest ball gags. So anyway, according to the owners... I am the best ball gag person you've ever seen. (laughs) John and Minnie Duras, the group had ended the diner uh, around 5.30 on the morning of December 30. Uh, They described the taller girl, and possibly Patricia, as being either so drunk or so sick that she was staggering as she walked. The couple sat in the booth for a while and listened to Elvis songs on the jukebox and went outside. According to Minnie... The taller girl returned to the booth, put her head on the table. They wanted her to get back in the car, but she didn't want to. The other girl and the two men came back later, and I told them, leave that girl alone. She's sick. But they all left anyway, and on their way out, Barbara said they were sisters. So the implication is they could have been drunk, they could have been drugged. Mm Mm-hmm. But... Could have had the flu. Again, I, I, I don't think any of these sightings are particularly... Truthful, I mean, accurate. Go ahead, Colonel. Well, Sheriff Loman found it plausible. Um, and, one, and that guy kind of looked like Elvis. Mm-hmm. Now, Loman believed this might be enough to get the girls to go along with him because he looked like Elvis. And, uh, and of course, there was Bedwell's confession, which related a lurid and sexually explicit tale of drunken debauchery with the two young women. See why? So I don't know. I don't know why he did it. I can't explain why people do things. He made and recanted three confessions and even reenacted the crime for Loman on January 27. Everyone doubted the story, but Loman, he booked Bedwell on murder charges, but the drifter's testimony was vague and contradictory, and most likely his confession had been beaten out of him. Coerced. Yeah, but you know what? You really put yourself at risk when you're a drifter. You do. You yeah. do. You just can't. You just got. You, well, you got to guard your butt. Unless you're a high plains drifter. It's true. High plains drifter. High plains drifter. You're okay. Paint the town red. So, on January 31, he testified that he had confessed out of fear of Loman's men who had struck and threatened him while he was being questioned. Another one of the chief investigators in the case, Harry Gloss, believed that Bedwell might have been implicated in the murders in some way, but that he was a dubious suspect. At best. At best, dubious. Uh, 
Now, state's attorney Benjamin Adamowski agreed and ordered the drifter released to drift some more. All charges against Bedwell were dismissed on March 4. Upon leaving the courtroom, he was rearrested on a fugitive warrant from Florida That's for the rape of a 13-year-old girl. That gross. scurvy rat bastard. Yeah. He, he, he was a creep, but he wasn't... He they should have beat him some more. Well, he was a creep, but he wasn't the creep in this... When the creep case. they were looking for. Exactly. Yeah, and the, and the crime he committed in Florida was very close to... Uh, it was very similar to what happened to the Grimes girls, but uh, his the story just didn't hold up. They couldn't tie him to it. So according to reports, Bedwell's accuser had been ha- held captive for three days before escaping and notifying the police of abdu- abduction and rape. Bedwell later spent time in prison on a weapons charge and died at some point after he was released in 1986. The dismissal of charges against Bedwell in the Grimes case sent off another round of bickering between police departments and various jurisdictions, and the case became even more mired in red tape and inactivity. It got even worse when coroner investigator Gloss publicly criticized the autopsy findings concerning the time of death and cause of death. He shocked the public by announcing that Barbara and Patricia, Patricia could not have died on the night they disappeared. He said that an ice layer around the body proved that they were warm when they were left along German Church Road, and that only after January 7 would there have been enough snow to create the ice and hide the bodies. Yeah, so like I said, there's some speculation. There's arguments both ways, that they were dead, uh, immediately killed that night. Or they killed, you know, sometime in the next 25 days. Now, he raised some issues about the puncture wounds and bruises, which had never been explained. He was sure that they had been violently treated prior to their death and also asserted that the older sister, Barbara, had been sexually molested before she was killed. Now, the pathologist, pathologist, (laughs) (laughs) the pathologist had denied this, but the Chicago Crime Lab reluctantly confirmed it. However, they were angry with Gloss for releasing the information because they wanted to keep it a secret so they could use it when questioning suspects. This is one of those crazy cases where you get a lot of people confessing to it. Yeah. And so they kept information back that only, you know, the police would know about. Now, the coroner, Walter McCarran... And the killer. ...promptly had Gloss fired and many of the and many of the other investigators in the case accused him of being reckless and of political grandstanding. What a dick. Only Sheriff Loman, who later deputized Gloss to work on the case without pay, remained on his side. He agreed that the girls had likely been beaten and tortured by a sexual predator who'd lured them into a kidnapped car under a seemingly innocent pretense. A puppy. Possibly gummy bears. Or a puppy. Or what was Sour, Sour Patch, patch Kids. kids. Yeah. Sour patch or kids. butterscotch discs. Now, Loman remains... I would, get in a, I would get in a black sedan that someone's offering me Sour Patch Kids. I'm not surprised by that. Poor man. Now, Loman... your ride. (laughs) Yeah. I can't get my steps in He can't get his steps in. Can you kill me... Before you kill me, can I go get 5,000 steps in? Can I walk around the block? I promise to meet you here. So, anyway, Loman... Loman remained convinced until his death in 1969 that the predator who killed the girls had been Benny Bedwell. Now, other theory... The drifter. The drifter, yeah. Mm -hmm. Other theories maintain that the girls may have encountered Bedwell and another older man, and rumors circulated that the image of the two girls had been polished to cover up some very 
questionable behavior on that part. Yeah. It was said that they sometimes hung around a bar on Archer Avenue where men would buy them drinks. Ah, yeah, I don't buy this. One of the men may have been Benny Bedwell. Harry Gloss, who died in 1994, had released information that one of the girls had been sexually active, but later reports from those who had seen the autopsy slides said there's evidence that both of them may have been sexually Gross. Yeah. It was a different time back then. And they don't. No one knows because the the autopsy has never been released. It's just all speculation. It's all conjecture. Yeah. Well, it's believed that Coroner McCarran may not have released this because of religious reasons or to spare additional grief to the family. The more likely reason, though, is it remains an open investigation. Now, the case remains unsolved, and Loretta Grimes, for many years, volunteered her time at the Birdwell Prison, not far from where the girls' bodies were discovered. The authorities told her they would never, ever give up on the case. Yeah, I feel bad for her. She lived in the rest of her life not knowing what happened to her. She passed away in 1989 at the age of 83 without ever knowing how or why her girls died or who killed her. 2012, a former police off Chicago police officer and now true crime writer Ray Johnson thoroughly researched the case. Yeah, this guy is cool. I mean, he he's... Uh, He's got a website called History Cop, and he looks like some of these old... He goes in and researches some of these old crimes in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And just Google him, History Cop, Ray Johnson, because he's got a lot of information on this case. You know, as part of his research, including outreach on social media, a new witness came forward. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, to say that she was with Patricia and Barbara on the night of a disappearance. The girl was a close friend of the Grime Sisters. She'd not come forward back in 56 because she was only 14 years old and scared as hell. So this is 50 years later. She comes forward, almost 60 years later. Yeah, she's 74 and got a Facebook account. (laughs) See, those are the kind of people that scare you. There actually is a Facebook page dedicated to this case. She's Dottie. Oh, is it? Yeah, so if you just, on Facebook, if you just type in... Dottie's uh, got two, yeah. If you just type in Grime Sisters, there's Mm -hmm. a Facebook page dedicated discussion on solving this case. So this guy, this guy creates this uh, social media page, and this lady contacts him to say that she was with him the night of the disappearance. Right, go ahead. That is, okay, that's is that what I just said. I'm all caught up. Now. Okay, we okay. all caught up. According to the witness, the girls accepted a ride home from an older man. The witness, whose name has not been revealed, stated that she did not want to go along because her parents did not allow her to get in cars with strangers. Good advice to young girls. Do not get in cars with strangers, even for Sour Patch kids. Well, you know, if it's a Sour Patch watermelon, don't definitely don't get in the car. But if the regular Sour Patch are kind of good. I like the blue ones. Continue, Colonel. Now, Barbara assured her it was all right, but after driving only a few blocks, she demanded to be let out of the car. The driver complied, but the Grimes sister stayed with the stranger. The witness watched as the car drove away into the night. Roy Johnson believes the real killer of the Grimes girls was a man named Charles Milquist. Yeah. A year later, Milquist was convicted of killing Bonnie Lee Scott, who was murdered at the age of 15 in 1958, and whose nude body was found by a group of Cub Scouts from Cicero, that's a suburb of Chicago. I've been to Cicero. That's where Al Capone lived. Yeah, it was a rough area. Mm-hmm. 
Now, now after this murder, a man named, made made a phone call to Loretta Grimes shortly after Scott's body was discovered. Yeah, this guy's calling the mom again. Boasting like, about killing the Grimes girl and Scott and getting away with both crimes. You never catch me, coppers, is what he was saying. Yeah, he's I mean, a gingerbread man. No, I mean, the dude is creepy. He calls her after he kills her kid. Well, and then clearly. He calls, yeah. So Loretta claims it was the same voice that called after her daughter's bodies were discovered. Milquist lived in generally the area at the time and, and were friends with many of the Grimes' neighbors. Milquist, for the murder of the uh, Bonnie Lee Scott, was sentenced to 99 years in prison and served eight years. Wow. He, he, must, was, he must have raped her. He was raped. <laughs> Eight years. <laughs> you know? Do you know how he killed her? I don't have it in there, so you don't. Fucking no, friend. I don't. Uh, he, he killed her. He he did the old uh, iron, iron chic, the chokehold. Are you kidding me? That's how he killed that little girl. And they they, they uh, you know this mm-hmm. this Ray Johnson speculates that's how he killed the Grimes sisters too. There's no real evidence connecting mm-hmm. the two, so it's speculation. But you know that way it wouldn't show up on the an iron chic is where you're crushing somebody's chest yeah. and so they can't breathe you're cutting anymore. off their air supply yeah around their neck right. so anyway Milquist really nobody's going to sing air supply now no that's a shame I'm all alone okay I only got three cents please continue then fucking read them <laughs> Why are you people so hostile all of a sudden? That's wrong. That's wrong. All of a sudden. Yeah. Well, so he was released in 1966 after eight years of really, really, really good behavior. Right. And went on to live a seemingly respectable life. He married and raised two children. Moquist died in 2014 without ever being connected to the Grimes murders. Now, this Ray Johnson guy, he, he said... He he had speculated that this guy, this Milchrist, was the killer back in 2013, mm-hmm. or right before this guy died. But he didn't come out with it because the guy was still alive. Right. But after he died, he he named him. So, uh, well, it's officially officially unsolved, Timmy. Yeah, it's still unsolved. That's where we're at. Brandy, what's your final thoughts on the Grimes sisters' murders? Well, it sucks. It would have been a much worse uh, scenario for me to read had I not been getting interrupted by yeah, I know, but the, the dead the, king. The story itself, what did you think? Who, so, do you, who do you think did it? Well, I mean, I've not done all the research on it. My guess is that one, the Milquist guy yeah. um, seems to be a viable option. Suspect. Yeah, Colonel, your final thoughts on the Grime sisters? I, I believe that... Uh, What's his name? Milquist should have been doing that jailhouse rock for these killings. I'm thinking it? that uh, the drifter may have done it. You think the drifter did? Killed somebody. You always suspect the drifter. Yeah. You don't like drifters. Motherfucking drifters, man. You can't trust. But, them. But here's what I don't get about you. You don't trust about. You don't trust drifters. But you walk twenty eight thousand steps a day. Well, You're a drifter. I don't drift. You're and a drifter yourself. I, I walk in a straight line. I and he loves the ho- and he loves the hobos. You do love the hobos, Tim. I am a hobosexual. You yeah. have an affinity for the hobos. Okay, we're going to shout outs, Brandy. Shout outs. Shonda. Shonda. Who Hi, complains that we never give her any shout outs. She's first today. Yes, and I'm doing it because Chuck forgets. Chuck's a dick. And Olivia. Olivia. Chuck is a dick. He is. He forgets people. That's what happens. Uh, let's see. Brandy, Jeff Chestnut, happy birthday. Angelo, Angelo's so funny. We missed Monica's birthday too. So it was. Oh, delayed. that's right. Yes. Delayed. Oh, yeah. Happy delayed birthday, Monica. 
Uh, but Angelo's very funny. Yeah, Angelo's a good guy. Uh, Brian Lawton, Heather Poole. Um, and I have a shout-out to my Aunt Beverly, who's who's awesome. And sometimes she listens to the podcast, bless her heart. But she is spectacular, and I love her. And Miss Beverly Oxford. Yeah. What, what the fuck you doing taking Miss Lady Beverly? That I have, to- that I, you know, she's not been feeling well, and so I just want to give her a shout-out because I wanted to today. We had fun today. We got uh, the one thing we did get to do. Um, because, um, hey, hey. What we do is... Um, <laughs> we, anyone who joins uh, becomes a patron. A patron. A patron. A patron. A patron. Yes. Patron of patron. 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 Um, we give you a choice of a thank you card or a phone call. And we had a nice conversation with Jennifer uh-huh. uh, uh, Jennifer this afternoon. Uh, who, and Linda. And Linda. Uh, so that was cool. And I want to give a shout-out to Phil, who listens. He's not on our page, but he emails me uh, with some of the screw-ups that we do. He's a really good guy. He loves our show. But he likes, he sends me uh, emails like, oh, you forgot this or that. So thank you, Phil. We know we, we suck, but thank you for listening. <laughs> no, I mean, he's very complimentary of the show, and he's a loyal listener, and we really appreciate it. Um, Colonel, you, do you have any shout-outs? I got a few, Timmy. I got a few. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's start with Tasha. Tasha, the you very got, lovely. You got to really start when you're starting. You got to start with Tasha. Very lovely. She really, very lovely young lady. Tasha sets the bar very, very high. Um, Amber Crew, uh, Big nice John lady. Holmes, Angela Ball. She doesn't. Angela doesn't say much, but every once in a while she'll chime in there. Liz Evans. Uh, uh, and you know, you know this one I've been dying to give out, Katie Moorhead. Katie, thank Katie you for Moorhead. listening. So Katya, how the you doing? The lovely Katya over there in Denmark. Susan Angles, Patty Wooten, of course, Marvin, uh, Denny McNamara, who put did he wants more podcasts done on titties. <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna try to we're gonna try to do <laughs> we're that. We're trying for to you. accommodate the titty uh, titty podcast for him. Uh, Fallon, you, you lovely young lady. She's a um, lovely lass. Um, she's from Ireland, isn't she? Yeah, she yeah, is. A lovely lass. Olivia, I'm going to give you a shout-out in Chanda anyway because you need a proper shout-out, um, not one of the cheap dime store shout-outs from the devil. That's true. So Olivia Maya and Chanda Rush. Um, Elise, Stacy Lynn. Teresa Slavin, of course. Jim Barron, our torturer, in-home torturer. <laughs> and um, uh, Shannon uh, got a promotion at work. Congratulations. Oh, Shannon, Shannon. did? Yes. Congratulations, yes. Shannon. Okay, Angela Cobbs, of course. Um, Sean Hughes. And, of course, always Erica. Uh, Bridget Clavey. Bridget, thank you very much for being a Patreon, patron. Kim Taylor, who's been quite focused on anus posting lately. I noticed that. Mm-hmm. She's, a, she's had a couple of anus posts. Yeah, I, I think ever since she, she may have had a bleaching or something done. And no, now she's no, going no. Into the co- I'm sure Why it's do just, you think she put up a beauty I, contest I'm, for anus? I'm sure it was just a coincidence that she... Okay. You know, just of course, today. Linda, we just gave, uh, we talked to today. Yes. Tommy Boomershine. Tommy. Mary Ray. And even though you give her one anyway, I'm giving her another one. Jahara. Jahara. And, and How about ba- those dolphins? 
No oh, man, rough one for them. And because she just batshit crazy, I got to throw one out to Cindy Lou. Cindy Lou. Um, Thank you, Cindy Lou. Of course, Chris. Cindy Lou's a patron. I hope I named her earlier. You did, but okay. I, I just, Cindy Lou's, Cindy Lou's special in her own way. She's cool. She has an eye patch. She does. Chris and Britt, of course. That's what I call them, Chris, Chris and Britt. Yes. Uh, the Trowbridges, one and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa Bateman. Melissa. And, you know I, what? And I'm going to give this a shot. I call Amanda Bocce Ball, mm-hmm. but I think I know how to say it. So give it Amanda, a shot. I want you to tell me if I got this right. Amanda Bacchiacci. That sounds close. I think it is. I think you both Amanda Bacchiacci. Tell me if I got that right. Now, Sandra, you ain't even getting a try. You, Sandy September, you're going to be that way forever. Uh, of course, we got Bond. Gene Bond. Gene Bond. Amy Payne. Um, let's see. We got Susan Angles, Marvin, Dave Gerard, Lydia Fisher, and Jeff Appel. Hey, Jeff. Byron Snellings, Crazy Kate McCarty, Angie Song, mm-hmm. uh, Andy, the lovely and beautiful Sydney, and her wonderful partner Mike. Yes, hi Sydney. And a, and a beautiful dog. One I like. The, I like the post world. All the pets in it. Yeah, yeah. We um, posted some pets up there the other day. Christine Bourgeois. Yes. Um, Cameron Stevens. Did you say Angela? Angela. Angela Cobb. Yeah, okay. I got Angela Cobb. Okay. Um, Cameron Stevens and Trixie. Uh, Brandy McBride, who the devil did, but didn't give a proper shout out because I'm gonna tell you what Brandy McBride is. You know what Brandy McBride is? What is she? Brandy McBride is a legitimate Timmy. She is a legit college softball playing lesbian. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Brandy, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, and thank you for the for the hard work you do when you was playing softball. Yes. But uh, I got Christine Bourgeois, mm, right? Yeah. And Cameron. You get Teresa Slavens. Teresa Slavens and. Let me get let me get the Colonel's crew here. Make sure okay. I don't forget them. All right. Um, oh, and Elise. Elise, I got her. Okay. I got her. Did you get Heather Poole? Uh, the devil got Heather Poole. And Allie and Charlie? Uh, well, Allie and Charlie, I'm getting up to... Uh, All right. Continue. I won't interrupt. Because Stacey Allie's... Stacey Lynn and Laura Riley? Uh, Allie's on... The, Allie's who? Stacey Lynn and Laura Riley. I got Stacey. Okay. And Miss Riley... Did you get Katie Moorhead? I did get Katie Moorhead. Okay, continue. Okay, so we got, we got, uh, they call themselves the Colonel's Crew, Timmy. Yes. Um, and it's Nicola um, and Nicola Shannon. Reed. Yeah, Shannon Rosser. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tiffinator. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica Williams. Mm-hmm. Jana Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jahara, I've already got her. The wise and, the wise and wonderful Jennifer Burdick. Right. Um, and Allie and Charlie. Now, Charlie ain't so much on the Colonel crew. She's a little difficult, but Allie's on the Colonel crew. We call her Rue. We do call her little Rue. We got K.S. Douglas, who's a new member on our page. Thank you for joining uh, our page. So that's cool. We're getting more and more people joining our Facebook page. It's History Dweebs, the podcast. If you haven't joined yet, please do. We're getting uh, a lot more people joining, so we like that. 
Um, so anyone else, Colonel, that you want to... Well, and of course, the woman who guides this show, the woman who is basically our muse, Timmy. Yes. The lovely, the smart, and the wonderful, and the funny Dottie Scott. My mom loves the show, uh, and... Uh, who else we got? We got. Did you say Lady Beverly? This devil took Lady Beverly. Did you say Scott? Uh, Scott. I forgot Scott. Yeah. We've got Bibin Corinne, who is a new member of our group. Maggie Ann Glover, new member to our group. Brian Snelling, a new member to our group. Uh, John Holmes, big John Holmes. I got him. All right. So if we missed you, I'm sorry. We'll get you next time. If you have a birthday or something special going on, uh, please let us know so we can give you a proper shout-out. And that's all I have. Colonel, do you have anything else? Where can people find us? People can find us on uh, Facebook in two different pages. we got the Serious page, which is the History Dweebs page. That's correct. we got here History Dweebs, the podcast page. Now, that's where we... we like to come up with polls and put up pictures of our pets and yeah we interact a lot and I, I don't know if you looked at the newest poll but um, somebody put in there in options they want to hear more stories about Ruta yeah, Ruta Baker you Rudy. doing that Rochelle Burden is a new is new to our group oh welcome did you see Debbie Chappelle no Debbie I'm sorry I forgot her see, see? yeah what would you do without me I don't know All right, let's get out of here. Thank you all for joining. You can check us out on Twitter at HistoryDweebs1. Find us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Please leave us a review. And if you would like a shout-out, we didn't give you one, uh, drop us a note. We'll give you a shout-out. We didn't leave you out on purpose. It's just that uh, we've got a lot of folks on the page now. That makes us very happy. But sometimes we miss folks. We don't mean to. So uh, if you didn't get a shout-out, let us know. We'll make sure we'll get you one next time. Until then, we'll see y'all again next time on History Dweeb. Good day, listeners. Take us out with a little, don't be cruel, Colonel. And remember, listeners, don't be cruel to art that's true. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.